People, welcome to Junkyard Theory. Today's guest is somebody totally special. I've been wanting to get her on the show for months and months because ever since I started this show, uh, I've always wanted the crazy lady who does the crazy sound effects from Instagram. And today she's here in the studio. Sana Kelly, thank you so much for joining. Are you Bowen? Are you Bowen? You too. <laughs> It's been months, months in the making, and uh, we're finally here, and I, I'm, I'm so pumped to hear about your origin story. How did you get into uh, Holy? Okay, so, yeah, so it's a funny story, not really funny. Um, so I was just, you know, finished high school and stuff, and, you know, trying to find what I want to do in college, and I um, saw this guy working, you know, he's using like a doorknob to uh, do a sound of a gun moving, vice grips mm -hmm. of, a, like, vice grips and a doorknob together for someone walking with a gun. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, he's doing footsteps for a screen, someone walking on a on a TV show. I'm like, why are you doing this? Isn't it a production? Like, don't they shoot it? Then he had to go through the whole process of explaining, you know, you have to add it later. You have more control of it if there's noise in the set and stuff. I'm like, well, I started walking like one row, like a year and a half. I know how to walk. I could do this. Easy. So he's like, oh, yeah, you can. I'm like, yeah. And you get paid to play with this stuff? He's like, yeah. I'm like, sign me up. So put on the mic, put some shoes on. I'm like, could not get one step on. I was like, because, you know, we're – when we walk, we walk forward, right? But yeah. when you're doing fully, you have the mic pointing at you, and you have to walk in place, make it sound natural, dynamic, as if you're walking forward. Like, if you're walking to the stairs, you don't move the mic to the stairs. There's no one following you around with the mic because, again, you're going to pick up the noise. So, and how big is, you know, what are you going to do? Keep running in a circle? You can't. You have to do it in place. So then he's like, tried like a couple takes he's like you know what some people have it some people don't you don't have it and I was like challenge accepted <laughs> so then I just got the yellow pages I'm aging myself because we don't have yellow pages now so for the youngsters it's like google you know um I just looked for studios around me and I'm like hey guys I make really good coffee you know I could clean like no man's business you know so can you please train me I got maybe like 99% no's. And uh, one studio was like, yeah, sure, come on over. You seem fun. Mike, and we like coffee. I'm like, oh, you would not regret it. So then I go to the Foley stage, and the Foley artist is like, yeah, get out. I'm like, uh, excuse me. They're like, yeah, we don't teach people. This is a really small niche. We don't want anyone to take our jobs. So you're not allowed in here. And there is usually a glass between the Foley mixer and the Foley artist. They shut off the lights so I wouldn't see. So I sat in. It's really difficult in this business. So I was able to sit with the Foley mixer. And he's like, sorry, they won't let you. There's not. I'm like, no, I'm happy to be sitting with you. So I, was, I learned to see sync because he's like, no, that was out of sync. I saw how he moved it. And um, so I learned to use my ears. And learn how, why he doesn't like certain things. And then I ask the dubbing mixer, like the person that gets the foley, the sound effects, the dialogue, the music, the backgrounds, and mixes them all together, 
you know, before they put it in for the TV, I asked if I could sit in the sessions. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So then I was able to see what they don't like, what they like. So I really mm-hmm. de- developed good hearing. And I just showed up every single day, cleaned after the artist, you know, um, prepped for them, pulled props for them. And then when they're like, oh, what is this prop that you pulled? It's wrong. I was learning, even though they were, they didn't, you know, they were upset with me, but it's great because I was, I learned what's wrong and why. And I just said, there was a mixer learned every day until one day they had a low, low budget movie. And he's like, do you want to do it? I'm like, yes. He goes, it doesn't pay. I'm like, yes. (laughs) So I had the opportunity to be there and kept practicing and practicing. I think within a year I had a job that wasn't paying. They started paying me like very, like $11 an hour which was great, you know? Back then, the minimum wage was $5 an hour. So that was like score, you know? Yeah. And I just kept practicing and learning, and I'm still practicing and learning till today. So that's like the long version. So. Gotcha. <laughs> and Real Holy Sound, how did this name come about? So uh, I opened my company in 2016, mm-hmm. and like then I tried to think, what do we do? Like, we were movie reels, you know, because when I started, it wasn't visual picture. We used to get the reels and put them the around, reels, yeah. that, you know, that's, you know, 26 years ago. Uh, so it's a movie, you know, it's a reel. And uh, Foley is what I do and sound. So it's real Foley sound. So it, that, that's what I came out with. It. it was like my, I was sitting with my sister or brother-in-law and my husband were like, what should we do? I want to, you know, I want Foley sound to be there, but like, I don't want film. I, I wanted something different, you know. So yeah. I came up with it. We you started off with the, you started off with the very the, the 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 most organic form of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And uh, so Foley, this this particular art, it's it's very uh, how do you call it? It's very uh, like you said niche, and not many people really know much about it because it's pretty much it's pretty much pretty much invisible. And the work that you guys do blends into the movie, but if you don't have Foley, it just, I don't know what movie is going to sound like without this. So when you approach a project, how do you start? Okay, that's a very good question. So the first thing I do is um, there when you do a movie, there's a sound supervisor. A sound supervisor is like the goal between the director, producer, the client, and the sound people. So Mm -hmm. the sound supervisor, he or she, are in charge of dialogue editors, um, Foley, effects, backgrounds, music, and um, I'm forgetting someone. Soundtrack? I don't know. Whoever, I forgot. So anyway, they're in charge of all that. They're there during the mix and everything. So they'll sit, the sound supervisor will sit with the client and watch down the entire film. And mm-hmm. take notes, Foley notes, effect notes, and stuff like that. So then uh, that sound, depending on the budget of the film, feature, TV show, I may have another different spotting session with that sound supervisor. Or if I already have a relationship with that person, we've worked together, they'll set, just send me the notes. So then I'll look at the notes, just read them, and then mm-hmm. we do a cloth pass. When I do a cloth bath, I have the microphone pointed at literally my stomach. I'm going to use this as an example. Obviously, nothing this soft. It's like jeans and a T-shirt and stuff. 
it's yeah. pointed, it's like lower here. And anytime someone moves from beginning to end of the, the movie or TV show, I'm doing clock movement for them. That mm-hmm. entire thing. I have headphones on. One ear will have the production that they have when they were shooting. And the other ear, I am hearing my room, my clock. So I know if yeah. I'm being too jerky, too sharp, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm watching the whole thing, and I'm taking notes, and I'm remembering the notes that was given to me. Ooh, that's why that's important. The production is bad on that. Or, you know, the production is wood when it looks like marble. So they're going to replace it and do ADR to remove stuff. So we'll do cloth, and I'm taking mental notes. And after that, someone already went through the entire film or TV show and cued it for us, meaning if uh, someone is walking from here to there, like let's say Sana is walking, uh, wearing heels on wood and stops. So someone will put like an empty region of Sana footsteps, heels on wood. So they do it from the first step down to where it stops. Uh, And it's a three-second rule. If that person doesn't move for three seconds, you make another region. So we have all these blank regions that we go, we do each character on their own for every single person, groups, everything. And then we do props. We divide it up to categories. We do all the hands to skin, all the hands to body. We do all the sits, all the wood chairs. So we run, we do runs, you know, like – Anything they touch, all the food will be by itself, like fork to plate, fork to mouth, chewing. We'll have different categories. So we do all the food because it's a setup with the miking, yeah. you know. we If we get the hands, if we have to move it every time to do what's going on, then we'll never finish on time. And, you know, then we got a good sound going and we just roll through it. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intensive, right? I mean, like you have so many sound effects, like within uh, – in particular scene, and uh, although you do uh, create or you know, recreate sounds, uh, whatever you see, sometimes it kind of gets buried underneath uh, the score or the dialogue and all that. Uh, so doesn't that kind of feel like uh, a waste uh, effort sometimes? Or uh, do you? Uh, I'm pretty sure you you already have have a very good reason why you do everything that you do. Uh, so what can you say about that? So um, what, the beautiful thing about Foley is when it lays in there, you're not supposed to hear it. That's why people don't know about Foley. It's just supposed to blend in beautifully, right? In, if yeah. if you hear it, um, it's a mistake, right? So um, it could be a mistake unless it's supposed to. The dubbing mixers that I work, work with, the recording mixers, they really love Foley. I mean, all of us are like total sound nerds, and that's what we live for. So everyone in the business really wants to play everything, but it has to be natural. When you're watching a movie, do you want to hear the sound effects on Foley blasting, or do you want to hear the storyline? So you want to make sure you hear the dialogue. And sometimes, you know, if they play 60% of my work, I'm happy. Because, you know, but you never know what they're going to need. The client may be like, ooh, I hate Foley. You know, try to play it as little as possible. You know, they have to play it when they need it, but then um, they're not going to, like, they try to push it as much as they can because sometimes, you know, it just sounds wrong. And there are moments where music is going to play. 
you could have someone walk in slow-mo and we get every step perfectly. It may take us an hour to get a scene. It's a music montage. And when you watch it, it's like, I would have done the same thing, you know? You know, so mm. it's an artistic and whatever the client wants. So, and the right. client is always right. <laughs> it was about staying in any industry, I guess. The client <laughs> is always right. <laughs> What about, uh, you know, uh, when, when you, uh, like I said, you create a, a specific sound effect uh, for a particular scene, uh, like multiple sound effects, and you send it back to uh, the, the director or the client, and then they, uh, have they asked you for uh, changes? I mean, like, they're the ones who send you the instructions, but based on that, yeah, you create uh, whatever sounds uh, are needed. But how do you deal with those changes so uh, we once in a while we get we get requests to hey can mm-hmm. you change something usually if I get a phone call hey Sana can you do it yeah I can but I really don't want to <laughs> <laughs> so usually if it's if it's a client I know they laugh if it's a new client they're like what I'm like no no I'm just kidding <laughs> I did with a client by trying to be funny <laughs> but I'm like yeah absolutely so it's it's what the client wants. So there is something that I learned recently, you know, mm-hmm. um, when I worked on Those Who Wish Me Dead with Mr. Alan Murray. You know, he's, he was the sound supervisor for Joker. To, uh, he won two Oscars. Amazing. So um, when I was working with him, you know, it was, like, really challenging because it was a whole different level. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was working with him, I'm like, well, what I really like my sound, you know, what if they change it? Like, some, because whenever I get frustrated, he was like my mentor. I would call him. I'm like, why would they change it when it, it's actually beautiful? What they want is not right. He goes, well, a lot of time it's not the sound supervisor's um, choice, really. You mm-hmm. have um, the showrunners and you have the picture editors. So the picture editor works, like, really intimately with the director and the client. So what happens is the picture editor will go through and uh, cut the picture, right? Mm-hmm. And they have to send it to the client, the network, whoever's watching it, the bosses. And they put um, some PFX, some production sound effects, and they put some temp stuff, like temp music, temp foley. It's temporary, okay? Yeah. So the problem is it may not be the best sound or the best thing for it, but they already send it to the network. They already send it to the director. So sometimes yeah. mentally they're married to that sound. They like that sound. Mm-hmm. That's what they're envisioning. So if you change it too much, they be like, whoa, what is that? Like, I like that one bad sound. Why not bad sound? <laughs> so then you're like, oh, you want me to match that? So what he told me is like, whatever the editor gives you, we get tracks for that. Even though mm-hmm. it's not correct, do it the way they did it and give them an alt of what you really want. So when I did that, it started saving me so much more time. So when the client will call me like, hey, I really want uh, you want me to match what the editor did? Perfect. I put a muted track there. Just open it up. It's there. And they're like, oh, great. So. <laughs> but it's like cool. learn, live and learn, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy, right? I mean, like, even with 26 years in the business, then every single day something kind of, like, comes along and surprises you. Yeah. And how does 
you know, creatively change with the genre of the movie that you are working on? Are there any specific props that are like reused consistently through like maybe like the horror genre or the action genre? Like, is there anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's like uh, the you know really cute love story. You know, you don't need to break anyone's bones and do car crashes. So it's a really nice, you know, you a lot of hand touches, a lot of kissing yourself, you know, when they're kissing and stuff, and a lot of bed movements and stuff, your creaks, you know. So that's you know a really nice scene, and then you get you know shows like um, Lacey's story on Apple TV that we did, mm-hmm. where you have someone is biting someone's head off, hand off, or biting their hand, and you know, monster walking and stuff, and just, like, eating chicken, fried chicken, and just cutting someone up and stuff. Yeah, it's completely different than a nice little bed squeak, you know. Or uh, for those who wish me dead with Angelina Jolie, where, um, you know, there's a lot of body falls. There's a car crash, you know. I remember, you know, I did the... The thing, and I was really proud of myself. It comes, the movies come in reels, and it's like 12 to 16, most 12 between 12 to 20 minute reels, you know. And uh, I finished through once, and to him, I'm like really proud of myself. He's like, um, or real too, I don't know which reel that was. I'm like, yeah, I listened to it. I'm really good. <laughs> he listened to it. He's like, yeah, you're, you're okay. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> what do you mean I'm okay? I'm, I'm great. And he's like, where's the car crash? I'm like, what does it look like? Sound effects? Do you think I have a car here? He's like, I'm like, what does sound effects do? Sleeping? <laughs> He's like, oh no, this is a whole different level. You gotta give me a car crash. He goes, you don't know how to do a car crash? I'm like, of course I do. I was just kidding. And he said, I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do a car crash? <laughs> so when this car crashes forever, yeah. like flips over, there's a tire spinning as it flips over, you know, just twirling, and it starts mm-hmm. raining on top of it. I'm like, oh, sound effects. And he's like, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. So 19 tracks later of layering. Um, one you know, nine or nine zero? One nine. One um, nine, okay. It was like any bounce. We had to do like, like, like yeah, like, you know, when it hits, you know, like a little squeak yeah, yeah. that happens. With dirt, as the car is rolling down, dirt is hitting the bottom. So I had to get dirt, get a hood and get dirt and just keep hitting, hitting dirt on it. And when it flips, I had to get a tailgate, like get up and hit it. And it bounce, you know. And then when it rolls over and then we had to, you know, my mixer had to like play with them. You know, mm-hmm. more low end and stuff. And what I had to do also is get a resonating floor, which is a raised wood, and put like a hollow, like old leather suitcase and mm-hmm. pile a bunch of dirt on top of it because it was on dirt and rocks. So what right. it does, it gives you the big, boomy, big feel. And I had to get off my fancy, like, mic stand that I spent so much money on and get a cheaper one. And have the have it touch the same floor so it adds more boom. And then I had to put everything on top of it and hit so it sounds bigger than life. And for the wheel spinning, I set it on top of the same wood so it sounds bigger. I got a chair I had at home that anytime my kids will sit on it, I'm like, oh my god, stop squeaking, you know. 
I'm like, oh, a squeak. So I got it and I kept spinning it for the tire spinning. So it goes like that. I lost my voice. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> so, um, so the and then to rain on, I got like a watering can, put mm-hmm. the hood upside down, got on a ladder, and I was just like, you know, watering it as my other partner, Foley partner, was going like that with the hand to make sure it sounds like rain. rain. Then I got my fingers and I went like. Like on top of it to hear the raindrops kind of like to, in addition to it was just it took us eight hours to do like a minute worth of footage. Holy shit! It, thank you. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. It was not. I mean, uh, filmmaking itself is yeah, like we call it problem solving. Like you're problem solving on set. You're problem solving or like you go on set during pre-production, all of that. I did, I had absolutely no idea that Foley was this problem solving heavy. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. You know how they say fix it in post? <laughs> you guys literally do that. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Yeah. So how, how do you guys like deconstruct the scene. So you just told me about this one particular, uh, the cough, the cough flip. So, yeah, we've had cough flips in like other movies and all that. And certainly in this one, like you guys had to you know, level up. But uh, like, let's say something comes down to your studio, which probably a scene that has never been done before. How do you deconstruct that and start uh, doing the holy? Well, you just have to think, um, if you don't know, how to do it you just think one step at a time layers mm-hmm. you know um for example an easy thing for example tap dancing i'm not a tap mm-hmm. dancer don't give me tap dancing hire a professional get good production sound but like sometimes that client is like i don't have the money for it uh help me out you know i'm like i'll try so i'll do like layers i'll do the toes i'll do the heels but, like, every mm-hmm. step is, like, three steps to it. So I'll do it in three layers and condense it together. You know, that's, like, with everything. You know, we just have to take one, like, don't try to do it all at once. I know a lot of my videos, I'm like, oh, look, I'm going to share the screen and do it all at once. I'm just doing it for the visual. We don't do that. We do one thing at a time because different levels and everything. So you just have to take it one step at a time. And also remember, you have – the director, the producer, the writer, all these people, and the actor, you know, they did so much work. They put, they poured their heart and soul into this project, you know, acting, getting the perfect shots and everything, right? The mm-hmm. set, so much lighting. There's so much that go into people that make the films, and they, they hand you their baby, you know, and you're supposed to really do your best to make it beautiful you are acting with sound you know the actor is acting and walking and doing such a tremendous incredible job and it is my my any foley artist job to really bring that to life because they're not going to use their sound so we're acting with sound if someone is happy there is a little upbeat to their sound that's why it's important to listen to production because when you're doing cloth because then you're learning their personalities. You're hearing in production the little shuffles they do. There, what do they do? Like some person would just do a little, just walk, you know, first step forward. Another person would do like shuffle, shuffle, then walk. 
you know, and that's the signature move. So you get a, like, you are acting with sound, you know, there is emotion. A sad step, like a happy step, when you walk, I do like a little upbeat to it. When someone is sad, there is a little drag to it, you know, because they're sad, you know, there, there's, you gotta act with sound. And also the shoes, you gotta pay attention to the shoes. Um, some shoe may look one way, but it really sounds uh-huh. different. If I don't like the sound of it, I will call the supervisor. I'm like, hey, the shoe you guys have in production. Now, the production people will silence it as much as they can, but sometimes it pokes through. I really don't like it. I think I should have something more rounded because mm-hmm. in the mix, even though it's high, uh, in the mix, you, they can't roll off the high end that much, but yeah. they could roll off the low end and thin it out. Can I give you something a little more full-bodied so you have more, you know, room to, to play with it and EQ it the way you want to? Um, can I do that? And the 90% of the, the time they say yes. And mm-hmm. so this way, you know, I'm, I'm able to give them better sounds on production and they can play with it and also act it out, you know, like the actor is. It really struck me as like you guys are essentially performing uh, with sound, and that's crazy. Like the, the the little nuances within a performance, uh, not just within the performance, but within a scene itself. Uh, maybe maybe how somebody moves a prop, depending on their emotion. Like you gotta connect with that, and then apply that. Uh, be true to the story, right? Essentially, what you guys are also doing is uh, adding more layers. Just tell the story better. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you. Yeah. Sorry, there's a little delay. Okay, um, sorry. Well, uh, can you repeat the question? No, uh, I was just saying. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. With what I said, like you guys are adding to the storyline itself by connecting with the actors, like the whole emotion within a particular scene. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We try to add to the story. Like I said, the actors are doing an incredible job, you mm-hmm. know, like translating the scene and bringing it to life. And yeah. um, you got to add, we add the emotion. It's like you said, the little nuances that we add, the little organic nuances. Someone said to me, actually, do you um, you reuse your sound? That's sound effects. Does that. Even sound effects build new sounds. We don't reuse the sound. We, everything's done organically. If I'm rubbing my hands this way, yeah, there's a ton of libraries of hands rubbing, right? But, like, yeah. exactly this way. I'm sad. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm nervous. There is a nervous sound to my hand. If my hand is supposed to be dry, which my hand is always dry because I'm an artist, because I wash them. <laughs> but, like, if your hand is supposed to be dry, you got to do the dry sound of the hands. Sometimes I even put, like, a little coffee grind to my hand if someone mm-hmm. looks like, you know, the hand is supposed to be drier than it's supposed yeah. to. Or, like, yeah. soft, you know, you use the softer part of your hand, you know. And, you know, there's – and then sometimes um, things that my uh, Foley partner will do versus I do. I did something for uh, – recently for a show. There was a guy shaving, and – I did it, and I did it with my hands because you get, like, the really dryness, you know. And um, and then my poly partner left a little early, and I'm like, Bozo, why did you leave? We know I don't have – I'm not – I don't have a beard. <laughs> so I'm like, well, it's scratchy enough. It's fine. We got a pickup, mm-hmm. and I joke to that 
supervisor. I'm like, yeah, I'm really sorry. My poly partner thought I had a beard. <laughs> Maybe because I'm from Morocco and I'm really hairy, but I really don't have a beard. And she was just cracking up. She goes, just do a pickup. <laughs> so I told him, I called him like, uh, excuse me, Matt, did you think I have a beard? <laughs> goes, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So when, when do you, uh, uh, a, a small doubt that's in my head, when does a production use uh, sound effects versus Foley? Like, like you said, uh, sorry, go, go, go. That's a very good question. I get a lot of people that ask me that. What is mm-hmm. Foley versus sound effects? It's a fine line. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, a car crash on a TV show, I wouldn't touch any of it. I wouldn't do it. TV show. We get a day to two days to do it, 45 minutes. Uh, I can't do it. It's, you know, it took me eight hours to do one little scene. I'll never finish. Uh, like, uh, I work a lot with Warner Brothers, and we have amazing sound uh, people, amazing sound effects people. We're actually going to do something very soon with Warner Brothers for the show The 100, and we're going to show you what Foley versus effects, how we work together. And that's in a big awesome. thing. So you guys are going to love that. So that's the big little surprise that is no longer a surprise because you just blurted it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's uh, like fun. So, for example, if someone walks to the car, opens the car door, sits down, starts the car, and drives away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously the footsteps are us. If they put the hand on the car door, it's us. They put the hand to open the car door. We could even do the, the latch to it. But sound effects will add the actual latch open and the door swing open. Sometimes we'll add a little squeak to the door if it's really old. But usually sound sound effects will cover that. Sitting in the car, we'll, I have a, actually a car seat in my studio. We'll do the car seat. You know, I have a car door too. We'll do the sitting in the car, like, you know, the butt down, the back down, sound of that. The butt and back are going to sound different. Mm-hmm. You know, the butt is bigger than the back, you know. Unless someone's going to go, like, you know, lounge themselves. And then the hands to steering wheel. Usually when people come in, they like to put the hands on steering wheel, always. And then uh, the keys in the ignition. Usually don't just have the keys. Sometimes they get in the car, then they look for it. I don't know why actors do that. Stop doing that. Then they do that. Take the car keys out, or they jingle in the hallway. They put in the ignition. So I'll try to do the put in the ignition, but the actual, they turn it. I'll do the sound of it turning. But the actual car ignition turn and starting the car, that's sound effects. Gotcha. Driving, skidding, any of that is sound effects. Mm-hmm. For bigger budget stuff, they may ask you to ask me to add do it. Like someone when diesel accelerate and hit the gas pedals and stuff. If it's a big budget, they'll ask me to do the sound with the pedal hitting. If not, some mm-hmm. you know, TV shows, effects will get it. Gotcha. So. And sometimes yeah. we both do it. We both do it because we're more organic sound. So get their sound and smooth it out. When you put it together, then it sounds beautiful. It sounds natural. Mm-hmm. You know. Got you. Not saying yeah. that sound effects are not natural. They're incredible, incredible. Like you could see a lot of the shows. They're just geniuses. So. So. Uh, for specific things like let's say, all right, you have like a BMW that's you know started started and uh, like uh, the engine sounds. So uh, are those sound effects like that specific model of a BMW? 
Yeah. Is that sound effect or do you guys yeah. pull that in? That's sound effects. They have okay. libraries and libraries and libraries mm-hmm. of sound effects. Bigger budgets, uh, like, um, I know, because I worked a lot with Warner Brothers, that's why I keep referring to them. Um, they basically have people that go on the field and record certain things. Like, I remember when they were working on Godzilla, they actually, one of the people that works there told me this. They actually, uh, when they were shooting into the car, they actually did gunshot sounds throughout the studio, and they were they had a microphone inside the go- the car, so you hear the sound of what the gun sounds like. Like they get really the really particular and good, okay. and the attention to detail is detail is crazy good. Like they go on the field on the field and do it as accurately as they can. Wow. Yeah. All right. This is getting crazier the more I listen to you. This is so good. We've got got a few questions here as well. I'm just going to talk. What was the most difficult sound design you've ever done? Okay, so it would have to go back to Those Who Wish Me Dead and Lisey's Story. So the Lisey's Story and some of the hundred. Those were Mm -hmm. quite difficult. but when you're done, you're like, yes, you know, those who wish me dead, the car scene was definitely difficult, and the build, the, the house exploding, that was yeah. like, you know, I left it for sound effects, and then I did like a little uh, dust debris settle, and that's mm-hmm. when I got a call from uh, Alan Murray, he's like, uh, you skipped the, the house exploding, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did the debris, he goes, what is this, television? I'm like, how rude, what do you mean? He goes, I want to hear the tiles, he said this, being ripped out of the shingles, being ripped out of the building. I want to hear the the drywall coming up, spinning. I want the wood pieces coming, landing, dropping, the big rocks, the little rocks. Because you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, yeah, I got you. I know exactly what he's talking about. I hang up on my, oh, my gosh, we're going to blow up the house. <laughs> so... So then um, Matt and I, my poly partner, was just like, okay, we got this. How are we going to do it? I'm like, well, first we're going to cry, and then we're going to attack it. So then we just went to Home Depot, and then we just loaded up with, like, you know those pots? Like um, when you buy the big pots and they have the thing so it doesn't leak through those plate things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got those for um, the roof tiles because – the actual roof tile sounded really ceramic-y, high-endy. But if mm. we got the clay ones, and this is after we bought everything from home, from, I shouldn't say the Home Depot, I should say hardware store. Um, yeah. Home Depot, you get a payment for saying their name? No, I'm just kidding. So you get... Sponsors on and real police on, like, right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then we just, we got on the ladder, and we just keep throwing them on the floor, breaking them. Then we got bricks. Then we got a lot of drywall. But we didn't like the sound of the drywall. Um, a lot of it got, like, drowned out with the high ends. So we mm-hmm. put drywall against wood, and we could just smack in it and glass shattering. Then after we did that layer, then we had to the details. Anything that kind of rolled in front of us, we had to roll it and have it hit every single hit had, had to match. So, yeah, Lisa's story was difficult because um, I had to do the eating 
because I could eat like a pig and I love food. <laughs> so I, he was eating chicken. I'm like, score, I get to eat fried chicken guilt-free because it's my job, you know? I don't eat like fried food all the time. Oh my gosh, I couldn't eat chicken for like a month because anytime he bites it, you could see when the when the actor is biting, like imagine they go and mm-hmm. they, they swallow. Yeah. And then if it's a bad cut, so I'm biting and the next cut he's swallowing. I'm like, son of a gun. How did he chew? He needs some more time to swallow, but you gotta fix it. Just popped out. Uh, Am I so? Um, oh, yeah, you're back. You're back. You're back. Yeah. So the swallowing is is different, you know. Like so, then I have to do it and make sure the swallow is included. That chew the swallow. So we have uh, to keep doing it. I for like a little short scene. I ate so much fried chicken, you know. Every chew has to match, and when they're talking and eating. It's like, are they talking? Are they chewing? What are they doing? You know, like, so you have to make sure you're not getting the, when they're talking, you're doing what they're actually chewing. So sometimes they talk, they chew, they talk. You know, we have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So, yeah, it's well, challenging, but it's fun because half the time we're like, oh, my God, I want to eat another chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's fun. Uh, oh, my God. I getting traumatized on, on a book set. Yeah. But I could eat chicken now. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. With that, uh, <laughs> broad, so it could be a broad general sounding question here. Any tips on how to make sounds that don't necessarily exist in the picture? For example, someone's on a bus, but they're actually imagining that they're on this bus. And the sounds we hear wouldn't actually be a bus. It needs to be something that sounds like it. I don't understand. Hold on. I say it makes sounds. It doesn't necessarily exist. For example, someone is on the bus, but they actually imagine that they're on the bus. And the sounds we hear wouldn't actually be a bus. It needs to be something that sounds like it. I don't know. Do you get the question? Uh, Andrew, could you uh, just drop me a message, maybe uh, with a little bit more clarification, if that's possible, and I'll uh, pop it over. Maybe if you're saying someone is imagining they're on the bus, but they're not actually on the bus, then, yeah, we do sounds of the bus, you know. Um, Also, bus is a really good example. Um, uh, What he's actually asking is what could imitate the bus. So uh, I think he's asking more about, like, uh, how do you replicate the bus sound with something that's other than a bus? Oh, yeah. I don't have a bus in my studio. Exactly. <laughs> I replicate it without a bus. So um, there's two things. There buses, when you listen to them, airplanes, buses, trains, they're different kinds. There's some of them that when you listen to it, it sounds like a thin carpet on like a hard surface, like a, mm-hmm. like um just a hard cement surface, you know. Other ones... Yeah. When you listen to them and they're in production and they sound like hollow wood, we have mm-hmm. to match it because there's dialogue all over it. And unless they're going to go through and ADR the whole scene, uh, you know what ADR is, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably unless they're going to go through and ADR the whole scene, we can't, you know, do anything about it, you know. So we have to match it. 
if they don't ADR it. So we'll do like, or sometimes I'll call the supervisor. I'm like, hey, this bus really looks metal, but it sounds wood. Can I do my metal steps? And they're going to align perfectly with your production. So when you put them together, there's going to be a wood element, but also a metal element. So they gotcha. usually say yes. So um, I had custom made um, this diamond plate with this other hollow sounding metal. And I had them solder it. That sounds mm-hmm. really good. And two ends soldered. And I put it on top of a hollow uh, wood surface with carpet under it so you don't hear the rubbing. And I put right. a thin carpet over it or rubber, whatever we see in the picture. And that usually ends up sounding really good. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I know. It's a long explanation. <laughs> it's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And also, miking plays a big, big, big deal on it. How you mic it. You got to know your room. Your shoes, too. Like, even if it's super high heels on metal, you don't use high heels. You, you use thicker heel, even though it's high. Because all you're mm-hmm. going to hear is, like, really high ends. And it's going to sound like a digital take, like a problem. So you're going to mm-hmm. be more rounded sound. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to uh, what was said uh, before when it comes to, you know, if you have dialogue on uh, in, in a particular scene and then, like, there's a specific sound effect kind of, like, baked into the dialogue as well, you got you to gotta match that particular sound, uh, what you just talked. Uh, Sorry, you broke up for a second. Can you say it again? So uh, if there is some sort of, some, uh, a scene where you have dialogue, and also some sound effects from uh, the, the production itself. You mentioned that you had to match that specific sound effect. We always so, do. Yes. Mm-hmm. We always do. We call it topping production. So we have to match the production perfectly. So, sorry, come again. What was the term? Sorry, it's called topping production. So you okay. have to match production perfectly because... Okay, so when you take out the English or whatever original language is, mm-hmm. you know, the production, if there's dialogue over it, right, that that prop is going to go away with the dialogue. So, yeah. and then when you take it to the foreign market, whatever market it is, they mm-hmm. usually strip out all the English and they replace it with their language. So yeah. if you don't replace it perfectly, then it's not going to match up or sound good, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be just like... Uh, just the tail end of it or none of it at all. So that's why we have to cover everything anyway. And sometimes their goal is to catch as much dialogue as possible, right? Not the, not the props or Mm -hmm. sound effects. So then usually they're not even using the real thing, like swords, they're not actually using the real swords, you know? So, so what you do, you got to make sure whatever, match it, match it and make it better. That is your job. Make it more realistic than the fake prop if they're using fake props. You know, like um, if they're using like a paper bag, they're not actually using the really crinkly paper bag because you're going to hear that. You're not going to hear the dialogue. The microphone will pick that up. So they use usually like a clothy one that looks like it's a paper bag so it doesn't step on the dialogue. So we have to add that. And a lot of times when they do ADR for an entire scene, they have a hum that they didn't hear during the shoot. And then they take it to post-production like, oh, what is that hum? Oh, someone's fan or someone's phone was ringing or something. They have to do that in ADR. we got to replace all that. So we got to make sure it's solid, it's perfect. Because sometimes they can choose more production, less foley. But if the production's yeah. not gone, it's all foley. You're, like, naked. you got to make sure it's covered perfectly. 
it's a yeah. lot more work than uh, people usually think. Yeah, more than I thought. Yeah, but it's fun. <laughs> you gotta love what that's, you do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's a question here. Uh, so, can you share your experience about working on Avatar: The Last Airbender? I would add a little more to uh, this one. Working with live action versus animation. Could you kind of elaborate on that? So, working with uh, live action, you have production that you're working with that you have to match as much as you can, right? Working with animation, there are no sounds. Everything is zero. So that's one big, one big thing. Um, back in the day, um, you might get closer for animation because you're not matching anything. But now a lot of uh, my cartoons, animation, they want a more natural sounding. So we treat it now the same as we treat a TV show, like a live action, because they're going towards like a more realistic sound. Avatar was my absolute favorite animation to work on, I have to say. It was just a pleasure. It's, it was well done, really, really well done. The creators really paid attention to all the details. So, and everyone had their own shoes, you know, like I had Ang's shoe versus the Fire Nation shoes. You know, you get, every actor has their own sound. So it was, it was a challenge, you know, because it's, it's a fine line between Foley and effects, you know, but we worked together and they blended them together and it was really amazing. And Alpha was awesome. I used this plungers that I, stuffed with toilet paper and then I put duct tape on it for the sound for Appa sound and he's fur moving. I used some grass mixed with hair and stuff, you know, when he's flying. It was really it was a challenge. Every show was a challenge, but it was beautiful because we really believed in the project. So it was fun. That's so cool. And a big fan too. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a whole different thing, right? I mean like when you end up being a fan of something that you worked on, like yes. uh, sometimes it tends to lose the magic while you're working on it. Like you don't necessarily enjoy it as somebody who would, uh, you know, see it for the first time. Like you go through scenes so many different times, and yes. uh, ending up a fan of something like that—that that means the story you're telling itself is special. Yeah? Well, I feel like I feel like it's an honor that my clients chose me out of the great people out there to work on their project and it really means a lot to me so i really give my heart and soul to every project and i really believe in it i love it because i'm like what well, they trusted me you know someone will put so much money all their sometimes personal money to their project and out of all the people out there they chose me that's such an honor so i don't want to disrespect their work you know so i really take it seriously and i'm like even if i don't like the show when I'm working on it, it is at that moment. I tell myself, I may not like the show. It may not my kind of, be my kind of movie. I don't like scary ones, you know. So <laughs> don't tell my scary movie people about. Um, <laughs> but like when I go in there, I'm like, this is what I love. I love to do it. This is, you know, these people trusted me. So at that moment when I'm working on it, it is my favorite thing in the world to do. And that's how mm. I approach every project. So just keep a positive attitude and be lucky that they chose me. And I think my clients feel that, you know. So when all of you ask me what is my favorite show to work on, it's like asking me which one's my favorite child. Can't do that. I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly good analogy. Perfectly good one. Yeah, so <laughs> but don't ask me that. <laughs> 
do you ever come across these moments where you you know uh, you are probably at, at at a party or something or you know uh, you are, you're away from work you're probably on vacation like you were when i was bothering you uh, a week or so back <laughs> and then you know and then something uh, around you just uh, sounds like that perfect sound effect or oh, the, the the perfect polish sound that you could possibly replicate in uh, a place where you had difficulty uh, you know uh, matching so have you ever come come across something like that i buy it <laughs> <laughs> it actually happened when i was over on vacation in turks and um they were uh, we went scuba diving and snorkeling and stuff and there was this huge i don't even have to say this i think it's called the conch you know the big thing and um they told us we could take it home the shell i'm like oh are we allowed to he's like yeah absolutely so then uh when i touched it i'm like from one part it sounded like a skull um the other part the opener sound like ceramic i'm like oh my god this is just so perfect you know it's like you have to, someone's skull you have to touch it like you know without hair skull so yeah oh. I, you know we went to hawaii and those like necklaces those you know the, the flowery ones yeah so i had to get some of those sorry i don't know where are you uh I can't I see. There, you there you are. Okay. Right. Something happened there to the internet. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, okay. you're out the world. It happens. It's all good. You're back now. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. Sorry about you're that. Back. Okay. No worries. So, yeah, uh, I had a question in my mind. I like, uh, lost my train of thought. It's a, it's a filmmaker thing. Yeah, I saw something like it was circling and going, yeah, sorry about that. Okay. No, no worries, no worries. Uh, people, if you guys have any questions, uh, just drop them in the comment section below, and uh, I'm not ready to uh, answer them. So yeah, uh, and working, uh, like you said, uh, working in television versus film, like the time difference, uh, the the time duration that you have to complete a particular project, like you said, varies quite uh, a lot. What's the fastest turnaround time that you ever had, and uh, what's the longest that you ever so had? So, for a TV show, like a 45-minute TV show, we'll get two to three days, you know, to do mm-hmm. everything, 45 minutes. For, like, a film, you know, 80, 90 minutes, whatever, however long it is, there's some people that want you to do it in five days. What? Like, mm, that's a little nuts, you know. I, I can't physically do it. Like, even if I did everything for a steak and I'm really good and have someone throwing props at me, I'm catching them to do it. It's like, you can't. Um, you know, especially, I mean, unless it's super easy. Uh, so for a feature, it's usually 20 days, mm-hmm. you know, to do a really, really good job. You know, so I, I try to say if you don't want a really good job done, um, you know, I won't edit. I will keep first takes, as many first takes as you can. You have to someone go through and edit everything. And then um, when something is borderline foliar effects, it's going to be sound effects. We're going to leave it for sound effects. We're not going to layer for you, you know, to have sound effects. That's mm-hmm. on you guys because I don't want to rush through and not make it sound right, you know. So we have to do it that way. And Yeah, so. 
So we have, you know, it's, yeah. it, you have to meet your deadline, your budget, and also not hurt yourself in the process because it is a job and you have to get paid and pay your people well. So it's it's a fine line. So sometimes you have to pass on certain shows or movies. Um, but, like, I think the problem, a lot of people spend all their money on production and forget that there's Foley. <laughs> Excuse me. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and and what about uh, you know, for, for instance, like let's say you're watching this movie uh, that was you know done by somebody else, and do you ever catch on like uh, the fully like all right that this that's not how it's supposed to sound. Uh, it's supposed to sound differently. Or uh, do you feel like there there are moments that people could have done better or. Uh, Moments where you yourself are surprised, and you ever like reach out and uh, try to see how they did it. So, um, for the most part, when I hear some, when I'm watching like a movie or TV show, I usually like go brain check, like you know, just shut it off. You're not working. I only pay attention to it if it's really good or really bad. So if mm -hmm. it's really bad, I usually go on IMDb and check who worked on it. Like, hmm, interesting. You know, then I'm, then I say, well, it's probably they had a bad budget, you know, uh, they didn't have enough time. So they had to do what they had to do. It's not really their fault. Then I watch another one and it doesn't sound that great. IMDB mm, is the same person. Interesting. <laughs> and then again, so it happens more than three times. And I'm like, well, you know, at some point you got to say no to doing it at a low price and giving yourself a bad name. And if that person called me, which it happened, uh, to work for me, and I'm like, mm, no, sorry, I can't, I can't hire you. I'm like, to be honest, I watch a few shows. Here they are. And it was your name. The first one I said is budget. The second one I said budget. The third time, you're taking that budget ones. You know, you got to be choosy with your shows. and Don't sign up for things like that. It's bad for your name. So I cannot hire you because of that. Maybe in the mm. future, if there's few in a row, message me the names and I'll watch it. But that is your real. That's what you're doing to your name, you know. If it's not your fault, if the mixer messed up, send me the original stuff and I'll hear it. And they're like, yeah, I completely understand. Uh, good ones, usually I'm usually blown away and uh, I look in IMDb. And I know a lot of those people, like it just happened recently, can't say the name of the movie, um, but the movie was horrible. That's why I don't want to say the name of the movie. And um, but the sound was amazing. So I saw who the sound super uh, the Foley supervisor was. I called him. I'm like, hey. So I was watching this really crappy movie, and then but the sound was amazing. And then I went on IMDb, and it was you. He's like, oh my god, that was such a crappy movie, but the sound was so good. I'm like, I know, like, you did such a good job. Who was your crew? And he told me the name of the artist. I'm like, of course it was that person, you know, like, that great work. He's like, yeah, we had 20 days to do it. I'm like, for that caliber, like, I would have taken a month. He goes, yeah, but a lot of it we kept for sound effects. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But, you know, awesome job on the work and horrible movie. <laughs> He's like, I know. So I would have shared yeah. the name if I had only positive things to say, but it was a long, long so that's, that's fine. It, it, it makes <laughs> sense. 
Yeah. <laughs> More of a technical question, I guess. Uh, what kind of mic do you? I'm not asking for, uh, the, the brand or anything. Like, what kind of mic do you recommend for uh, for poly artists? I don't mind sharing any of that information at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so every every mic. Okay, so if you go to my TikTok or my Instagram, there's a link in my bio. And the link is my website, and there's Buy Foley Gear. You're not buying it from me. It's uh, the company that sold me most of the equipment because I okay. get asked the same questions. So what I had, right. they did a little interview with me, and then they wrote it down, and then they listed all the equipment I bought from them. And after they listed it, they put links we could click on it. But I also told them, hey, these are people that are starting out practicing at home. They should not be spending this much money. So I put for beginners one. You could see beginners on top of it. I chose mm -hmm. ones to begin to practice at home. Obviously, you can choose it to give it to the client, but you could record yourself and see what it sounds like. So there, and then so they listed my stuff and they and they put also put professional versus beginner. So the professional also posted a names of microphones I don't have, but I do like. Mm -hmm. Wish I had, but I like the ones I have. If I had a different room. Stuff like that. Um, and I talk to a lot of technical people. I don't know why they think I'm technical, but I know they talk to me about it, so I learn. Even though I don't want to learn, you just automatically learn. <laughs> so uh, the mic that I use, the mic that I use the most is the KMR81, which is a Neumann, and a Neumann TLM170R. So one of the Neumann TLM170R is in the corner. We use it as the far mic all the time. And I have another uh, TLM170R with me for certain props. Um, because it has like a bigger diaphragm, but the one I use a lot for close-up is uh, the KMR81, also Neumann. So KMR81 for all my close-up stuff, uh, uh, TLM170R for some of the props, and uh, as my far mic. Got you. And so, so are you use three mics, uh, and the, is it yeah. all captured all together yeah. or uh, all together? No, not all together. Two at all times. Too much gotcha. okay. So my mixer, when my mixer is mixing, so if I'm coming from far to close, he's doing more of the far mic, less of the close mic, and then mm -hmm. um, if it gets closer, more of the close mic, less the far mic. So it's a balance, and okay. it goes to a mono track, not gotcha. not you know not a stereo. It's mono into because mm -hmm. we decide which one sounds. That's why a lot of times someone's like. Oh, that person is walking from far away. You sound the same. Yes, my my mixer is is doing that. He he or she are actually working, doing that. I'm giving them steady level, you know, and they're doing that. Sometimes I'll fade it in, but you're not gonna hear it. A lot. All my videos are from the microphone of a cell phone. I will not post my Pro Tools session because my client paid for that. You know, that is their yeah. sound. I'm not going to put it on the internet for everyone to, a lot of people use my sound. I'm like, absolutely use it. It's my cell phone's microphone. It's not good quality. It's picking up the high end. It's making everything sound woody. It's not sounding right. You want to hear what it sounds like? Watch it on TV when you're on your, your TV. So I just don't think it's right to do that, you know, and yeah. cut, 40 is not, not cuttable. You know, you got to exactly. act it out. So, yeah. <laughs> And, and the, the the particular like the, the the room so that this affects 
of the standard base that you create as well, right? So uh, is yours like, is it like a custom design or uh, are there certain industry standards when it comes to a full like studio? The full, so I built my full studio from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I have three different walls with one inch space between them, three different kind of installations. Like even mm-hmm. the plug where you put it in, there's a special kind of putty noise reduction. So there's noise, no noise that comes in. One of the ones is like a spray on kind of insulation. So it covers every single hole, uh, special yeah. drywall. We even went to the foundation and we broke it all around. So there's no vibrations that enter the room. Gotcha. So it's completely kind of isolated. We had uh, special doors made for us with frames. They're noise-canceling doors. They're like, you know, hotel rooms have noise, quieter doors, so you're not supposed to hear them. This is even more intense, and there's two of them on each side. And there's, like, a space between them. So the noise kind of gets trapped. Even the wood, uh, the framing... Like, if one wall has the wood, the two-by-four is here, the other one won't be parallel with it. It will be against it because you don't want the sound to come in, even though there's an space between them and insulation yeah. on both. You don't want the sound to be bouncing between them and make a buzzing oh, sound. It's right. So there's no sound. So it's going from this beam going to insulation. You know, it's not – there's no rattling, no noises, no extra – stuff and it's a science and after we do all that with special drywall and stuff there's drywall 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 insulations facing each other and then on the outside where you guys see the gray stuff those are uh, sound absorbing sound special material for sound that absorbs sound so because if you're going to use like jeans or something like that what's going to happen even the sound will bounce back right so you need a special (laughs) behind the cloth there is special insulation stuff that is healthy for us to breathe and also absorb sound. So basically, and the cloth is for sound. It's within each stitch you're allowed the sound goes through and gets absorbed by the insulation. If you're going to do a solid one that's not made for noise, again, it's going to bounce back. So the, the cloth, the way it is, it's like this, but it's really thin. You can see it. It allows the sound to go in when walking on heels or anything and it gets absorbed. Again, we can't put it everywhere. Then it's going to be a dead room. Like when you're going to walk in, it's going to be like this, and everything's going to yeah. sound dead. You have to leave certain spaces. So we have an acoustician that came in, clocking like a crazy person. You thought I was crazy. He looked really crazy. <laughs> He's just clapping. He goes, I need one here. I need three inches away here. I want that there, there, there. So we could do outside versus inside. And there are certain areas where I always do inside, do outside. Even the ceiling has certain sound-absorbing things. Everything has a reason for it. Nothing is placed for no reason. Even my water pit, the way it is, the way it's curved, the cement I'm using, everything is made for sound. Wow. And my placement is extremely important. You got to know uh, what sounds like papers. If you can head on with it, it's going to be like if your paper is here and your mic is here, it's going to sound phasey. If you go up and above, it's not going to mm-hmm. sound phasey. How far is the actor holding it is plays a role and how close you want it, how far, which mark to use. This is all comes with experience and trial and error. 
So. I was just going to ask you, is that all experience or is it science? Or, or it's both. So. You know, I am a yeah. scientist, really, so that's what I went to school for. <laughs> <laughs> but I applied my science to designing my room. You know, mm-hmm. I look at sound as a science and acting science and, you know, trial and error and experience. Before we wrap up, uh, i got two questions you guys saw one uh, in, in the comments that I'm just going to... Uh, kind of modify that. How how do you, as a poly artist, uh, ch- charge for uh, this? Uh, you know, your, your practice is it based on uh, the film's budget, or do you have like do you go ahead with like flat rates, or uh, is it uh, subjective? It is. It it tends. It depends on the foley artist. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you're starting out and you're not that good, you're going to be really cheap. Um, you'll be free even. Obviously, yeah. You'll be, you'll be lucky to have any work. Uh, like when people want to do internship, you're not going to get paid unless you're going to do something else. Yeah. Um, like answer phones, do whatever if they need you. Uh, if they allow you in, you should be even lucky to be there, you know. So you're slowing down the process. You're a space, space taker at that point because we're moving. You're just standing there. Uh, you may chew, move your foot because you don't know everything gets picked up by the mic. So that's why we don't like people in the room with us. Second of all, like when you first start at the beginning, you're not that good. So you can't get paid as a folio artist gets paid. And then once you get good, you join the union, you know, then the union kind of negotiates the price. If you're going to go work at a union house, they say, okay, you're $50 an hour. That's, you could actually check, check IAT. It's the Editor's Guild. Uh, the local mm-hmm. 700 is uh, for Foley artists. And I think the price right now is like 50-something. That is gotcha. like if you go work at a studio or 52-something, I think. something. It changes every year. But then when you have experience for so many years, you'd be like, yeah, that is the starting rate. I'm not working for that much, you know. And uh, there's an eight-hour minimum, you know. You'd be like, yeah, I, am a, I never go to a studio if I'm not getting my eight-hour min. I'm not going to drive for four hours. You know, so, yeah. uh, but I work at my company, but like if I was to go, I do go help out. I won't work less than eight hours. Uh, I never worked less than eight hours. I don't work by hour. And it's like a shift, a full shift. If it goes right. over um, the ninth hour, it's straight time. After the ninth hour is a time and a half. So, gotcha. you know, the union is there to protect us, you know. And, um, and even if you're not working union, you should really keep it the same. It should not be ever any less than that because what you're doing, you're not just, you know, you're not getting the work. Eventually you will get good and everyone's going to want to pay less. So all over the world should be charging the same amount, you know, mm-hmm. check IAT, yeah. check the going rate. That's how much they're paying and don't go any less because you're setting the standard for the, what the client needs. Um, and if and then they respect you more because they know you're good. You're not gonna work for less. Obviously, those of us that work longer, we're not gonna have been doing this for a long time. We're gonna get paid more, you know, and because we're busy and we could choose the projects we're gonna do. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. And you have to also adjust with your client if they. Sometimes a client will call me. He's like, I really believe in the project. They don't have a budget. I've done some free stuff when I had time, you know, mm-hmm. for my clients. But, I mean, right now we're so busy, probably cannot do it. So, 
Don't call me if you want me to do something for free. <laughs> Not right now, maybe later. Happy. Final question uh, for somebody who's uh, interested in you know pursuing the same career path. What advice do you have? Uh, do it. Uh, you could go to audio school, so you could learn the whole thing. But they're not really going to teach you a lot about Foley, because every good Foley artist is actually working, not teaching. But I am doing a workshop, so hmm, I'm eating my words. <laughs> so um, yeah, so just if you want to take audio school to learn the whole thing, do it. Um, the, another thing you could do is do internships. Anyone that will take you, it doesn't have to be Foley, because most likely Foley, Foley artists will not teach you. If you're lucky enough, absolutely do it. But if not, uh, um, try interning at a music studio, because when the stage is dark, it's not working, you could practice there. You have microphones, you have floors, you have everything. But you also learn in the process of recording, getting to know mics, getting to know mixing. There's a whole process to get to know, and you may run into someone that would allow you to go in. Um, I do have a workshop that you guys can join. Link is in my bio. Um, if not me, take other people's workshops. Check out the IMDb. See what that they've done. See if you respect the work they've done. If you heard of it, then you know maybe they should be teaching. I have some people that I know do workshops too. So just look into that. And then you guys have tons of my videos. Mute my sound. And I'm recording on my cell phone. Record yourself on your cell phone, try to do sound to me, and then um, play it back and see if your sound matches my sound. I'm using my cell phone. You're using your cell phone. So it should be comparable, right? And then mm -hmm. work on your sync, your sound and your sync, you know? So um, practice sound, practice VC sync, see where it's off. A lot of times I do a lot of questions, where was I off, you know? And it's amazing that people aren't in this business. They really know they're... I feel like I'm training them. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> they see sync because sometimes they see it a little too much. I'm like, I didn't ask you this time. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think that was awesome. So anyway, yeah. So just practice, practice, practice. And please be a positive, normal, happy person. If you're a negative, go do some other negative job. <laughs> we just want happy people in this job. I think that's that's the peak of it, right? I mean, like you gotta be happy while doing whatever it is you want doing, and spread, keep spreading that. And uh, I guess just one more thing to add: uh, if there's somebody coming uh, down the way trying to learn what you to probably like be able to help them out, it goes without saying, I guess. I'm sorry, I, you broke up. One second, one more. Let me get closer. <laughs> no, what I was just saying is like if there's somebody who's coming uh, coming out of the same field. After you, bonus, uh, and you take on like uh, quite a few years to get to a particular place, it's just help them out. You know, maybe yeah. uh, they don't necessarily have to go down the same pathway. Yeah. So you provide uh, shortcuts, I guess. Yeah. That's the timeline. Yeah. Which Yeah, I hope this helps. And if you're already an established artist, you know, um, just, you know, be nice to 26 years, 26 years old me, <laughs> like years ago when I first, like, it was really horrible. Like when people didn't want to teach you, it's really frustrating. But we didn't have the videos you guys have now. So, um, you know, like even if people are not nice to you, just try to be a good human and be a good person and things will happen for you and work hard. You know, that's what, that's what always what I think, just 
work hard and try to do my thing, trying to stay positive and be happy at whatever you do, not necessarily fully anything in life. So. 100%. Thank you so much, Sana. Uh, you've taken like uh, an hour out of your very hectic schedule. You woke up at 4? Four in the morning, four o'clock, four o'clock, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, love that is Sama Kelly for you guys. And uh, until next time, this is John Kelly, folks.